What is up, everybody? This is Granny Shot once again here for our fifth mock draft episode. We'll be covering picks 13 and 14 as well as some sleeper picks. I know if you listened to our last episode, you're probably wondering what happened to the Granny Jingle. Still working on it, and we're hopefully going to come out with it here pretty soon. So if you're if you're trying to come up with something to help us there, keep sending those in. Delco loves it. Don loves it. Oh, I love it. It's going platinum. <laughs> Doug has no comments <laughs> on it at all. He just, he just, he's speechless at how much I, he loves it. I was looking to pre-order the album, so. Uh, all right. So, um, again, if you haven't listened to any of our other episodes, we're going to run through real quick how we are operating here. So we're doing a mock draft. Each person here, Don, myself, and Delco, will own one pick. The other two will try to convince them of who that person should be. So we're acting as the individual GM for each team. The final pick will ultimately be in the hands of that one person who owns the pick, and it'll fold into our overall granny mock draft. We have gone through picks 1 through 12. We're going to finish out the lottery here. So a quick roundup of how the picks have gone so far. At number one to the T-Wolves, we have a... Onyeka Okongwu, number two for the Warriors, we have Killian Hayes. Number three for the Hornets, we have Lamella Ball. Number four for the Bulls, we have Anthony Edwards. Number five for the Cavs, we have James Wiseman. Number six for the Hawks, we have Devin Vassell. Number seven for the Pistons, Tyrese Halliburton. Number eight for the Knicks, Denny Avdia. Number nine for the Wizards, Isaac Okoro. Number 10, highly controversial one, to the Suns, Obi Toppin. Number 11 for the Spurs, Sadiq Bey, my Bey. Number 12 for the Kings, Patrick Williams. And now we've got number 13, the Pelicans. Very intriguing pick here. They got a lot of young talent. And Delco is owning this pick. Delco, let's let's hear where your head's at. My head is all over the place. This one is fun, but it's actually really tough. I think I should f- start from the perspective that I'm not nearly as big as on Zion as I think a lot of people are. I never, of course, I would have taken him number one overall last year, but I was never completely bought into the hype of him being that generational player on the same level that, you know, we're talking LeBron, Michael, some of those other big names. I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to, if he can stay healthy, have an all-star level career. He's definitely unstoppable in the, in the paint when he's on. I'm not sure if he's going to hold up. I don't think he can carry that frame for a long period of time in the NBA, I'm not sure that he'll ever develop that touch or those shooting, the shooting ability that you really need to be super effective in the NBA. So just want to frame it with that. I think Brandon Ingram is the real deal. Brandon Ingram is a excellent example of how uh, nowadays people tend to give up on players too early. I myself am very guilty of giving up on Brandon Ingram when he was with the Lakers and saying he was a bit of a bust and I didn't love his attitude, I was very wrong. He came to the Pelicans and had a hell of a season, took a lot of steps in his game, was a better, more efficient uh, scorer on the offensive end, and has really grown into a bona fide star, and his ceiling seems to be superstar. So that's an exciting core. Uh, They have Drew Holiday. I've heard rumors about the Pelicans moving him for a player with a better fit. And then you have J.J. Redick, who is who is J.J. Redick. You know, he's going to do what he does best. He's a consummate professional. He goes in there to score and, in particular, hit threes. Um, and then, finally, wrapping it up with Lonzo Ball, who is an exciting point guard who is still developing his game, and maybe he can make another Brandon Ingram leap. So this Pelicans team has their core, and I think right now they're just trying to fill it in with 
additional role players and, and seeing who fits where. They have some decent wing guys on this squad, um, nobody really standing out. But I think what they're really looking for, again, is to win now, and they're looking for some additional depth here. So who should they pick? I'm not sure. Um, I think you're probably looking for someone who can come in and help compete right away. I think uh, Nesmith is an interesting option here to kind of play a similar role that JJ plays, but off the bench and just add that additional layer of scoring to this team. I think someone's going to take him and be really happy with him. And um, it'll be nice to have that spark off the bench for this Pelicans team, especially with a team that beyond JJ doesn't necessarily have a lot of great off the ball shooting. And another player that I want to bring up who could potentially fit well alongside Zion. And I'm kind of surprised. I don't think we've heard his name once in this, in, in our mock draft. And that's Jalen Smith out of, out of Maryland. I think he's got a lot of upside. He's got really good size. He can handle the ball decently well for someone his size and he can shoot quite well. Um, also, I think he, he could be an exciting guy to stretch the floor a little bit as well, while also providing that rim protection, that shot, shot blocking, that big body. And he, I think he fits decently well next to Zion as well. I know he's got some defensive deficiencies. He's not perfect, but I think he could be a, a good fit as well. And I think top of mind, that's that's who I'm considering right now for this uh, New Orleans squad. So lot said there, right? Obviously, Zion's the building block here. I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think he's got all-star level career, but I, I mean, I agree. The, I don't see generational type talent generational type athleticism absolutely but generational type player like lebron status absolutely not i don't see it but he's absolutely the person to build around i i based on what you said you're assuming brandon ingram gets resigned um i would be i would be shocked is anyone is anyone does anyone think there's even a one percent chance that new orleans will not match anything that any team throws at him more than one percent i mean i said maybe I don't know. Uh, it's, I, I think it's a totally fair assumption for us to assume that, you know, he's a restricted free agent. One, he's going to decline his qualifying offer of what, I think, somewhere in the ballpark of $9 million, and he's going to end up getting paid a lot more than that. Full max. Um, I think he'll get paid the most he's potentially allowed to get paid. Yeah, more than likely. I agree. So so let's assume that Brandon Ingram stays with the with the Pelicans, right? So you've got a Zion and a Brandon Ingram base there. Um, you've got Jackson Hayes, who's 20, who shows flashes of being a really good at worst defensive center. And then you've got Drew Holiday, right? And I think that they are considering moving Drew Holiday. I think it makes sense for them to move Drew Holiday. I think that they should try to get more young guys and just really let the young guys start developing for the Pelicans this season. I, I don't think they're in win now mode by any means. Um, I think they should move Drew. I think they should get more more assets or more young guys and go from there and let let Brandon Ingram and let Zion Williamson just build that franchise into the potential that they have from a young talent perspective. Because of that, I think they should go point guard here. I also, you know, you also have Lonzo there. Lonzo's got one year left on his contract. I think whether they re-sign Lonzo is probably a giant question mark. Right. And I don't know if they want to re-sign Lonzo. Is Lonzo, I think he's a, a career, maybe backup point guard 
honestly, or just average point guard. And I think that's his ceiling right now. I think most people see that in him now. Yeah, I think more like average to below average starter more than yeah, backup. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. So I, I think that they're probably not sure if they're going to hold on to Lonzo. And I think that they're very much considering moving Drew Holiday for young people. So I would go with the point guard here. And I like Cole Anthony here. I think that Cole Anthony fits well into what they're trying to do from a young player creation type model. You've got two Duke guys and maybe a Carolina guy coming in here to build up that entire franchise. And I think it's a nice fit for them, especially if they do end up moving Drew. I see the point guard need for sure. I was looking at point guards. I was also going to Aaron Nesmith uh, just from his talent alone, uh, his ability to space and shoot threes. He's obviously going to be big for that team. Not to say H1 Moore is like, a big deal but they're just lo- they're losing a lot of like three guys for sure i i agree i think drew holiday is going to be moved uh h1's gone i don't think they resigned brandon ingram i agree is going to get paid big but overall I, there's a couple names i'm looking at definitely nesmith was one kira lewis is the, actually the other one i like his point guard play i think he has a lot of upside he brings tremendous energy and speed to the team and i think that's something that could benefit as we talk about them maybe going towards a younger lineup kira smith is He's he's a he's an iffy player. I I will say that, but I like his speed and I like the tempo and energy he could bring to that team, which looks to be really fun, uh, especially when you have like a lob center in Zion Williamson and someone explosive like Zion. You kind of need to feed that explosiveness with someone with that same and can match that intensity. Uh, Kira Smith sometimes has that. He has his faults, but he's an intriguing prospect, which I think they need to invest in. And then the one that I know that they won't go after, but. I really like is Leandro Bomaro. Talk about a great passer and shooter. The question is, does he does he even come or does he stay with Barcelona for the next year? Regardless, long-term prospect-wise, Leandro could be a huge stud. Um, 20 years old, again, fantastic passer and shooter. Uh, a lot of energy, a lot of creativity. It's something that the Pelicans aren't used to seeing, but I think he would be a tremendous asset for their team. So, I think all three of those players would benefit the team. I I definitely lean towards Kira and uh, Leandro, though. It's funny, as I was wrapping up my my speech on the Pelicans, my my final thought before I turned it over was, actually, I think they could really use a point guard here. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm glad you all touched on on point guards. I, I was a little surprised to not hear the name RJ Hampton brought up. I think he's an interesting prospect who could uh, be a backup point guard behind Lonzo. He could also uh, play some backup shooting guard minutes. And he seems to be a little bit versatile in terms of which guard position he can play. And he also has that that high upside um, that could, you know, turn into the, the a game-changing player. So I, I will say this will, this will be the first pick, regardless of what happens, this will be the first pick in the Granny Shot mock draft where a mind was changed. Uh I am going to pick a point guard. I don't think that point guard is going to be Kira. I don't think that's that's the fit that I want here with the Pelicans. But Cole Anthony is intriguing to me. And I think RJ Hampton is intriguing to me here with this pick. So we talked about Tyrell Terry a, a couple of times in previous episodes as well. So he's another point guard that's on the board as well. I see him as more of a shooting guard who can playmake if he needs to rather than a, a pure point guard and I think with this pick it it does make a little bit more sense with what they have to to have someone who's a little bit more ingrained 
is a point guard. Okay. So I, I agree that they, I would go pure point guard here, but I also don't think RJ Hampton's a pure point guard at all. So that's why I lean Cole, Cole Anthony more than anybody. I, I just, I, I think they haven't, they're going to have an obvious need a point guard here soon. And I think now's a good time to just kind of slot him in. Um, the other interesting piece about it is you've got Zion, you've got Brandon Ingram. Those are two guys that were top two recruits. You add Cole Anthony, that's three guys in the last three or four classes of high school classes that were top two recruits in the nation. That's interesting just from a sheer talent perspective. And I know people will say Cole Anthony didn't have the year that everyone thought he would have. But most of the time, these top recruits and these recruiting agencies picking top one, two, three recruits out of high school are, are pretty good at their jobs and, and are pretty pretty reflective of talent in the NBA. So, you know, if you're looking at a, a Pelicans roster, you've got three guys that were top two recruits in the past three, four years, you got to be a little excited about that. Yeah. And I think, I think Cole Anthony is another one of those guys who started a little overrated. And now at this point, he's just a bit underrated. I I think he's got a lot of talent. I think people expected more from him at UNC this year and he didn't quite deliver. The main question I would have is the Pelicans GM is, is Cole Anthony going to come in here and, and think he needs to play hero ball? Because I think it's pretty clear with, with the talent on this roster, that's not what they need. I think they could use his skill set. I think he's a great playmaker. I think he can get his own bucket, and that's very valuable. But if he can come in here with a with a mindset that he's not the guy, he's a guy, and he's a support piece, then I think that that could be a wonderful pick that really works out for him, whether he's replacing Alonzo at the end of that contract uh, or whether he is you know, a, a career-exciting backup, potential six-man-of-the-year candidate uh, who's getting a lot of minutes for them off the bench. So I think it's a risk, but I think the Pelicans are in a position where they can take a risk, especially if they're planning to get any value back from that Drew Holiday trade um, that has been going around the league a little bit. So I think I feel, I think I feel pretty confident locking in Cole Anthony. Look at us collaborating. Don, you got it. You got anything to say? Because I, because I agree with the pick. So, I agree they need a point guard. I don't think Cole Anthony is is the. I, I, I see from the the talent perspective and like the right is a top recruited pick coming out of high school. Obviously, anytime you can collect those type of guys who have a one off season, you could find a sleeper and you could find a steal in the draft. I still think Kira is a better fit for that team, especially because they could play a year behind Lonzo and really learn the system. I think Kira could have a really, really nice season and a, a really nice future, um, especially, again, matching the energy of that team. I look at what that team is, and I see Cole Anthony, and I don't exactly think he fits into what I would be trying to build into a, a true point guard. So I like Kira there, and I'm just, you guys know I'm not big on Cole Anthony. I definitely see it. I see the upside. You know, I will, I will not doubt that. He, he has offensive grit. He's really good, but there's just other prospects, even like Leandro. I'd probably take Leandro over Cole Anthony, um, just from a pure. I guess that's such a stretch, though. Leandro is not going until really late. I, I like Leandro too. He's he's a, he was on my sleeper list. I guess you know, thanks for ruining that, Don. But, uh, <laughs> he's, he's on mine too. So, <laughs> well, no, I, I I I agree. I wanted just one point real quick. Is I agree with Delco's point in that Cole Anthony didn't necessarily meet expectations coming in as the number one, two, three recruit in the nation, depending on what agency you looked at. And because of that, now he's underrated, right? People are just like, oh, he didn't meet expectations, so he's he's not that good, right? And I think that that's a, a, just a, a a false narrative, right? I still think he's he's shown that he can be really good, and I think he will be very good. Have, have I already locked my pick in? 
I need someone to talk me talk me out of something. I, I think it's it's not... You did lock it in. It doesn't feel right to leave Tyrese Maxey out of this discussion, especially if we're talking about Kira Lewis Jr. Um, I think Tyrese Maxey maybe doesn't make a lot of sense for a team who's looking for their you know point guard of the future who's going to be carrying them and who's going to be a star. I'm not sure if he has that upside. But if you're looking for a point guard to slot into a team that has a lot of people who can score, create their own shots, are kind of stars of themselves... I think Tyrese Maxey makes a lot of sense here. He plays really well when he's able to play within the context of other players. I think he's a really good on-ball and off-ball defender. I think he could actually fit on the squad really well. So before I officially lock it in, can someone talk me out of Maxey and into back into Cole Anthony? I see Maxey as his primary position being a shooting guard. Yeah, I was going to say that's, that. That's my argument. I know he played point guard, but I, I do as well see him as a shooting guard. Which isn't a bad... I mean, but I, I see where... He brings a lot of energy and, like, positive camaraderie to teams. Uh, for me, I'm just trying to match energy. I, I never see Cole Anthony as... I see him as a really great player. I just... When you see players and the energy they bring on the floor, I don't necessarily necessarily see that with him. I ne- I haven't yet. Um, and, and maybe that was because he had that, that slump in college, but... I, I would. He also got hurt. I mean, like he was hurt in college. Yeah, no, he, I know he was. I just, but even before then, just like the energy they bring on the floor with the ball in their hands, um, I see it more with Kira. I, I see it with Tyrese. I actually, for someone who's not as big on Tyrese, I would like that pick more than Cole Anthony here. But again, I do see him. I see him as a shooting guard. But if they lose Drew Holiday, then they do need a point guard soon. They're going to need a lot of pieces, especially if they move on from Drew Holiday. But. I like. I mean, I like that one more than Cole Anthony. So that's that's my opinion. One other point on Cole Anthony is he he was a really good uh, rebounder for his size in college, for, especially for a point guard. He's also tough. You know that clip of him going up for that, you know, to block like a six eight player. He's he can get up. He's tough, and I think he's maybe going to fall a little bit farther than than he should. He's got decent size too. I think players like him typically fall because of issues around size but he's big enough to be an nba point guard so all right yeah i I think at worst he's a uh a career nba bench player that comes off the bench as a a very good scorer which which the pelicans could really use so i'll 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 lock him in spencer dinwiddie dude dinwiddie's legit (laughs) all right so we're locking it in the pelicans at the number 13 pick in the granny mock draft select cole anthony out of north carolina I like that pick. I think that's a solid pick for the Pelicans. Um, and I, I think it's going to be a mistake if Cole Anthony falls too far in this draft. I think teams will look at it in a couple of years and be disappointed in that. So we've got our last pick in the lottery coming up. The Boston Celtics, one of my favorite franchises. I'm happy to own that pick. I think that this pick is interesting. I wouldn't be shocked if the Celtics tried to move this pick for something that is more of a sure thing because the Celtics are absolutely in win now mode. They've got the pieces to win. Now they just need to add a couple more pieces here and there. When you look at the Celtics, you know, I think you can, the number one thing that jumps out is they probably need some size. Daniel Thice is a good center, but is he good enough? Most people would probably say no. Um, They at least need some depth probably in the center space, unless you have a ton of faith in Robert Williams developing this from last season to this season and being able to give them a lot of minutes. But what I think that they really need for 
the instant future is bench depth, someone that's going to come in and immediately be able to contribute. If you think about the playoffs this past year, the Celtics, as soon as they went to their bench, they lost so much momentum. I think in that Celtics heat series, they always got out to a nice little lead and then the heat came back. Right. So I think they really need some, some bench depth and uh, Gordon Hayward's contract. This is his last year. I wouldn't be shocked if he got moved. I think they need scoring. And I, I have a guy in mind. I don't want to say it because I want to hear if you guys are, are thinking similarly to me. So I'd be curious to hear what your guys' thoughts are here and what you guys think the Celtics are going to go. Yeah, I, I completely agree with where your head's at. I, I do think you left out uh, Ennis Cantor there for size and center depth. So that, that was on purpose. Cantor couldn't stay on the floor in the playoffs. Yeah, that's that's fair. I have kind of a long list, list here for the Celtics. I mean, they, they need depth. They need confidence in that depth. I think there, there's a couple different directions they can go. And I think they're almost like one of those teams where, you know, we talk about best available. They almost need, you know, best available who can slot in as a role player and, and be confident to play right away. So it, it's kind of tough. I think there's a couple different directions they can go here. I like Tyrell Terry here coming off the bench and uh, being a confident scorer and being able to kind of run that, that second unit there. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I know I'm talking about, com- you know, coming in and being able to compete right away. I like Jalen Smith here to add some size and he's a, a bit more of a modern style NBA center. I think, uh, I think he could be a good fit for the Celtics and then Aaron Nesmith again, uh, just purely from, from his uh, ability to, hit threes at a high level and and it just popped in my head rj hampton could be an interesting fit here to just give him the second unit and see what he does with it that's quite the uh quite the list there i i I think the celtics can go a lot of different directions here and have it be a good pick because they really just need that depth yeah i was i'm just gonna say that one of the guys that you named there is also on my list but go ahead Dom. so a couple names that i like uh, there's really two that i mainly pick at jalen smith I think he creates a lot of problems at the five. He can shoot threes, spaces is out well. We talked about, right, Daniels, Tice isn't going to be there after the season, or he might, but regardless, his, um, his contract's going to be going to be up. And uh, I, I like Jalen Smith. I think, again, he spreads the floor well. Uh, he shoots very well for a five, obviously. He's a big guy. He's, he's good at defense. He's something that the Celtics need. I would prefer to see more depth for them, at like the at like other positions perhaps uh, just because they already have a nest there but again he could be hobbled i guess they have taco fall but jalen smith is someone you can plug in immediately and he's gonna make a strong impact and he's gonna create opportunity for the other players of that team in tate tice is there one more year though tice is there um he's there next year he's on the books this upcoming season right yeah, right. Well, 2020, yeah, yeah. He's there this. He's there this year. But after, I'm talking about for after that. I, I feel like the Celtics are working one year at a time at this point. They're like, what can we do to put ourselves in a position to win a championship this year? Well, yeah, because I mean, after this year, they're gonna have to do Hayward's potentially. I mean, probably gone. Tatum. They have to sign Tatum to a massive contract. Ojale is gonna be up. Like they're they're gonna. This is their year, and I I honestly think it's either Jalen Smith 
And then the name you mentioned, uh, or if you maybe you did, Josh Green. I like the way he slides in there. So just from a depth perspective, because Josh Green can play multiple positions, um, very solid player. He could probably he could probably play the two through four pretty uh, liquidy. So, but Jalen Smith to me is more like when I look at the Celtics, I like Daniel Tice, but they're missing that really tall, athletic, great defender. And with Jalen Smith, you have a you have a shooter. He great. He can split, spread the floor. He can shoot the three. I think he's very underrated going into this draft and could be someone that creates a lot of mismatch problems for teams that they would see into the playoffs, right? Like Jalen Smith is more like a Serge Ibaka type player where he can shoot from distance. He's a great defender. Um, when you look at the teams that the Celtics have to go through to get to a championship, I think he matches up well. Okay, so I did not have Jalen Smith on my list, but I sort of like it. I had another big guy that probably is way down on your board that I'm very intrigued by, and that's Killian Tilly out of Gonzaga. He is also a shooter. He's also 6'10". He's got a great feel for the game, good passer. He has a very big history of injuries. But if he didn't have that, I think he would be a shoe-in for the lottery. And I think that that's the kind of pick that the Celtics uh, maybe take a swing on because they're already very good. And I think that he comes off the bench and, and if he can stay healthy, he becomes a a stretch perimeter player that immediately helps them. That's one guy. My number one guy, though, and you guys said Naismith. That's the guy that I also had on my list. My number one guy, though, is Desmond Bain out of TCU. I think that he fits perfectly off the bench from them. I think he is very similar to the kind of gritty defensive attitude that the Celtics are building their identity off of. And Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown, Desmond Brand brings that same type of intensity, that same type of hustle, that same type of playing bigger than he actually is type mentality. He's a very good three-point shooter. He shot over 44% from three this past season. And he's a he's a solid playmaker as well. He can shoot off the dribble. He can he can get put in ISO positions and make plays. And I think that's what they need off the bench. And I really like it. He is a senior coming out as a senior. So he's 22. So it's not a necessarily, you know, young guy with, with the raw upside. It's more of a polish. This is what we're going to get high IQ guard that plays his ass off. And I personally love that fit for the Celtics. And the more I talk about it, the more I like it. So, I, I mean, you guys didn't mention him. Um, was he way down on your list? Or, or what do you guys think about, about that fit? He he wasn't on my radar. And I, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't know much about him. But just from what I've been reading and what I've seen, I just feel like there's still too much talent on the board to be going down that far unless you have some really good tape on him that you don't think others have seen yet. I think it's hard to make a pick like that, leaving people like like Tyrell Terry, like Jalen Smith, uh, even even people we haven't talked about at all, like um, Precious Precious Achiwa, I think could be an interesting fit there. I, I just think there's so much talent still sitting here to get too cute with it, unless unless you you know you feel very very good about. I don't that. think this is that cute. I I think Desmond Bain's a block for the top twenty. I like uh, I like I like him for sure, but I would have to agree with Delka. There, there's a lot of talent left on the board, and for me, you talked about like, well, when you talked about uh, Tilly, which was someone I actually had on my sleeper list. The question is, can he remain healthy? And 
the Celtics aren't in a position to say, let's take that chance. Like, I think they need to go grab. See, I think they are. See, I don't. I don't. I think this is the season they need to win. I mean, after this season, they have a lot of big decisions to make. I agree. You need, even if you're drafting a low ceiling, you need a high floor guy. You need a sure thing coming off the bench because it, it's it's terrible to have such a good starting five and then be sitting on the bench just not having faith in anyone out there to do anything. So I'm, I'm with Don here that you need a safe bet, and now is not the time to be swinging for that, what, fourth superstar to, to fill out your team. I don't think that's not, what they I need don't to think, be doing. No, I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar like, and, by any means. And I, uh, I I also think I would make a, a bet after this episode that Bain doesn't go top 20. I don't I don't think I see that happen. I'm good. I, I, will, I will take that. All right. Uh, so I, I don't I don't hate the Bain pick. I just think that when you look at when you look at that team, yeah, they do need depth. I just don't know if I'm going to add that depth at the uh, the backcourt. I'd rather I'd rather go front court with it because again, like. Tice fouled out a lot in last season, and when he does foul out, they are they're in a big pickle. Um, so that's why I I prefer to go and fill out that that spot with someone like Jalen Smith because again he can shoot. He's a big body. He's like kind of what you're looking for with Tilly. Um, I think Jalen Smith is a, actually a, a way better player than Tilly. Tilly's like a sleeper, but Jalen Smith is very good defensively. He's a very good shooter. I don't think Robert will if if like if Tice fouls out Robert Williams the third is not pulling you through at the end of the game like Robert Williams has his place and his time but yeah he he went off a little bit a, a couple games but I agree he did, he's not but, someone you yeah. want to have to to rely on it it'll be nice to have other options so I yeah. I feel like I see a gleam in Ryan's eye like he's ignoring us <laughs> he's just looking at I'm 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 listening to everything you're yeah. saying. Yeah, I because I, I don't I see what you're I'm offended. I'm offended for Desmond Bain. I think he's getting disrespected by Delco. I I mentioned that I don't know much about him, so maybe I just missed the diamond in the rough here, but I I, I don't think he's going to be going top 20 and I it's not that I have anything against him, it's that I think there's a lot of talent still left on the board. What's nice? What's nice about Bain is he's a four. He's he is a talent, and he's yeah. left on the board. Like, a, sorry to interrupt you, Dan, but like, there's no clear pick here. Like when we started this episode, that was like the the point, right? Is that everything's going to be kind of just our best guess because there's just as you go further down the draft list, it's just we're not quite sure who's the best talent, right? So yeah, with Tilly, with Tilly, I was saying it's a sleeper, but Bain is a four-year college player. He's 6'6", 220. Like he has a You absolutely know player. what you're getting out of him. I yeah. think he's a almost a no-risk pick to your point. Like you got to draft somebody that you know you're going to get for the Celtics. I think that's why I was leaning that way for him. And I see that. That's why I, I don't I don't hate that pick. I actually think it's a pretty reasonable pick. It's just like with my preference looking at the team, I see a gaping hole in the front court. And yeah. I, I see more. That's fair. You know, but, I mean, but you're also I mean, I, I completely agree. Like, I think I might get convinced to take Jalen Smith here, too. But he's got the goggles, man. I think I made this comment for the Warriors a couple episodes back. And that. Do you swing on a big guy? In the draft when I think you can easily just go get a big guy in free agency and know what you're going to get out of them in a year that you want to win. Yeah, are you are you going to grab a big guy who can space the floor and potentially develop into a real asset, or are you going to get a big guy who you know is big, you know has played in the NBA for a while, you know will stand there and get rebounds and might get hurt? So I, I don't think it's uh, 
a fair comparison necessarily. I think Jalen Smith could turn into something much. Well, I, what was what was I comparing? Just whoever's available uh, for a cheap center in free agency. Yeah, but they're in win now. Like I think we all agree with that, right? Yeah. yeah. I see. Yeah, so I, yeah. I, 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 I don't see Jalen Smith as stepping in and contributing much at all in season one, at all. I think that's more of a play for the future. I'm just wondering who you're thinking of of pulling in on. I'm guessing it has to be a cheap deal, right? So, you know, Robin I, I Lopez, Javale McGee, there's, there's, like none of these Tristan guys. Tristan Thompson. There's 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 a lot of centers out there that I think the Celtics can go after to fill the role that they that they want from a backup center position. Tristan Thompson, uh, if he if he takes a cheap deal, is very intriguing. Yeah. So I, I again, I I think that that's like a very possible play for the Celtics is to just go get a veteran center, right? I think they like Tice, right? And then they just really need a, another backup guy there. I like Tice. I yeah. Like, yeah, I like Tice. Yeah, so do I. So I, I think um I think we've talked about the Celtics more than, than we need to. I do like Jalen Smith a lot. You guys almost have me convinced, but the more I talk about it out loud, the I, they, I, I don't they think, don't have a I don't think he's don't, I don't think he's gonna make the impact that they want in in one season or even two seasons. I think he's more of a project than we may think. So for that reason, I I'm back to Naismith or Desmond Bain. I know you guys like Naismith. I think that makes sense too off the bench. But I'm gonna go Desmond Bain. I'm gonna go with my gut here. I think that he's the right pick. I think he's gonna end up being a, a really solid impact player for whatever NBA team picks him, and he's gonna have an immediate impact in the league. So uh, with the 14th pick, the Boston Celtics in the Granny mock draft are gonna take Desmond Bain out of TCU. All right. Got through the lottery. Yeah. Woo! It's crazy that there's so many names out there still. And this just solidifies what we were talking about earlier, which is the there might not be those elite guys that typically make drafts really exciting or make the next season really exciting, like the John Moran or the Zion or the Anthony Davis. But I think there's like 20 NBA players like with full careers at least in this draft i think it's going to go really deep and there's going to be a lot of guys i think there's like 10 guys that we didn't pick here that could easily um, have strong nba careers so a minimum so it's it's going to be an interesting year yeah i agree and and like let's let's just talk about a couple of sleepers and don since you didn't get your your final pick since we just did the lottery i'm interested to hear you know maybe two or three maybe of, of your next best available and then also some sleeper guys that probably aren't projected to go into later first early second that you think could be steals yeah um i i talked i touched on one already but landro bomaro is definitely one that i'm looking at um i think his upside is is tremendous and sure he has some stuff to work out overseas before he comes here but just from a passing and shooting and creativity standpoint uh, you know, I'm not gonna say he's Luka Doncic by any means, but you look at the the wave that was created with European players and their style and right their creativity with their passing as well as their ability to shoot lights out. Um, I have to imagine that most GMs get excited about a potential prospect, as well as creating like a team diversity and culture around a European superstar. And so Landro to me, so he brings a different, a lot of different dynamics, not only from a physical standpoint, but also from a cultural cultural standpoint that I like a lot. So he's like, for me, he's like the highest sleeper that I have on my board just because I don't, I think he could fall into the second round realistically. And I think that would be a a huge opportunity for a lot of players. 
yeah, he's an intriguing an intriguing guy for me too, particularly as probably like a a draft and stash kind of guy for one more season out in Barcelona. Yeah. Um, just so people aren't confused, he does play in Barcelona, but he is Argentinian, so he's South American. So he could be the next Manu, yeah. perhaps, right? That would be amazing. I think uh, that Argentina basketball kind of craze that went on in the early 2000s when Manu, um, Luis Scola, and, and that team was around. I think Argentina is probably itching to to have another guy like that to represent them in the NBA. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um It'd be it'd be really nice to see him perform. Um, I wouldn't say this is uh this is one player that I I'll give you like an intriguing player that I'm I'm more just curious about where they transition into the NBA. Um, I'll give you two actually. Uh, Trey Jones, he had a really nice season for Duke. He's he, the kid plays basketball. He's had a lot of weird transitions through college where his three point shooting went broke, but it was decent and like he. Obviously, he comes from a family of basketball with his older older brother being in the NBA. But just from what I saw with his capability at Duke, I wonder where he slides in. I feel like he's a potential really solid backup point guard, which which maybe isn't asking for a lot. But for someone who isn't projected to go that high, I think Trey Jones is, is someone that I would like to see transition in the NBA. And again, I think he's going to come out and be a really nice player um, right out the get-go and can help out any team who needs depth or who needs someone to step in and fill that role. And then just someone who I've been watching for a long time, um, admittedly since he was like a freshman in high school, uh, Nico Mannion. I've kind of talked to you guys about him before. Really undersized, but from an IQ standpoint, the guy really knows how to play basketball. So physically, he's definitely right. He needs uh, he needs some help, but he's like a skill a skill-based point guard who, again, I like to see the transition of these type of players into the NBA because he's another guy that I see coming right in immediately and helping out a team and from a depth perspective. So from a sleeper standpoint, I like Leandro. And then I guess for me, I'll just say curiosity. Nico Mannion and and Trey Jones are, are the ones that I am the most curious about in their transitions as point guards. I was I was going to mention Nico. I think he's got a lot of deficiencies, but I also think he could potentially be the best passer, pure passer in this draft. And I think that whoever drafts him could could definitely have a really really strong backup point guard on their hands. I don't really ever see him being a consistent starter. I just think he has too many deficiencies, but he's he's definitely got some some excitement around him since uh coming out of high school like you mentioned yeah i actually think both those guys are pretty safe bets to be uh solid backup point guards for a while i, I see trey being very, very similar to his brother who's a you know pretty pretty solid backup point guard right nice little option he gets there. cookies um, and i see the same for uh yeah i see the same for for nico right probably a career backup point guard kind of guy which is fine right at the late first round or second round pick, right? You get a career backup point guard in those slots, you're probably pretty thrilled. Bolmero is more of a more of a home run shot, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, which I, you know, I, I think is depending on what you're what you're looking for is a fine place to take it in the late first, early second. I think one guy that hasn't been brought up that's like the ultimate. I know who you're going to pick, and I'm mad because I is, wanted to bring him up. Uh, is the the Serbian seven footer Alexei Pokusevski. Yeah. He plays like a guard. He's seven foot tall. <laughs> He's intriguing. He's so, 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 so thin. Another potential draft and stash guy, if you don't want to bring him over right away, maybe you you know make sure he, he adds some, some pounds to his frame and gets some more experience. But 
anytime someone's seven foot and can handle the ball and and shoot like a guard, it's intriguing, right? So that's another home run shot. Um, the other guy that I'll bring up that I like um, as a potential sleeper is Jamias Ramsey out of Texas Tech. I think he's a real gritty guy, very athletic, and and could potentially end up being a very uh, a very key staple on a on a good team in the NBA in the future. Well, I think you guys took all my my sleepers, so I'll, I'll just go through NBA talent that I feel is is a pretty sure thing that's still on the board: Tyrell Terry, uh, Jalen Smith. Aaron Naismith, the best three-point shooter in this draft. Precious Sachiwa, whoever's picking those guys is going to get an NBA player um, long term. Then RJ Hampton. I don't think he is. I don't think he is. Um, you know the the sure thing that those other guys I mentioned are, but I think his upside is similar uh, to some of the players we were talking about in the first you know top ten picks. I think he's. I think his upside is off the charts. I yeah, agree. he's very interesting and. I think he probably goes in the lottery. I think I've heard the Celtics looking at him. But yeah, just wanted to mention him one more time. I know we've brought him up a few times, but he's got so much potential it, it, to be to slot in at either guard spot, in my opinion. I like him so much that I'm shocked that I allowed it to him slip out of the top 14, to be honest. Oh, come on. Come on. It's all Don's fault. <laughs> you don't you don't like RJ Hampton, Dan? No, I do. I I just don't think it's ridiculous that he's not going in the lottery. He just has a lot of upside. He's a he's a pure athlete. Yeah. I'm shocked you you picked Bane over someone like him. Is I, I guess where my head was at. Not not anything against Bane, but there's just so much left on this board. Well, I mean, again, I mean, Bane's a Bane's a guy that I think steps in and immediately has an impact. He's four year guy in college, and I think you know what you're going to get out of him. I, I think Hampton is a player that if he Wherever he goes this season, he plays less than eight, nine minutes a game on average, and they really ease him into what they hope he becomes, which is a really athletic potential star, right? I'm not going to say superstar or anything, but potential star. Yeah. Yeah. And all this is making me envy where the Wolves are right now with that top pick. They can go wherever they want. They can trade back and get some assets. And they also have that 17th pick, I think. And I think at 17, you're going to have someone who can step in and be an NBA role player right away or maybe even draft another high upside guy. So this could be a big year for the Wolves to, to transform into a, a real competitor a couple of years down the road. Yeah, they've got an early second round pick, too. I think it's 30, 33. So they've got a lot of a lot of assets. The Celtics also have three picks in the first round. Yeah. So they've got an opportunity to, you know, add guys that can contribute right away later on. You know, if they think Desmond Bain's going to be there at 26, when Delco, I think we'll have some sort of bet similar to that later on, then maybe they just wait. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait but, to see how this all plays out. Yeah, but so that's going to wrap up our uh, our granny shot mock draft. So we went through picks one through 14, talked about some sleepers. We've got the draft coming up here in four days. This is one of the most exciting times in the league. We'll come back after the draft with the episode kind of recapping how things went, how our picks lined up with what actually happens. If you guys have any comments for us, any questions for us, tweet us at at GrannyMBA or email us GrannyShotMBA at gmail.com. Guys, any final words? I'm kind of sad that it's over. Yeah, I know. Same here. Yeah, it was good times. A A lot of depth in this draft. I'm really excited to see how it how it plays out. I think it's going to be 
really exciting. I think a, a lot of a lot of NBA players are going to be coming in this year and, and contributing. I'm excited for the drama because I, I know just with all the players on there, like it's there's no consensus pick, and I, I know there's going to be a lot of drama, especially with the lottery pick. So I'm excited to a, see a lot it. of drama and a lot of trades too. Yeah. Yeah, ex- yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so we'll, we'll be back to recap all the drama next week. Can't wait to talk about it. We'll also have the, the Granny jingle. It'll hopefully be a little bit more polished. But until next time, thanks for joining us, Granny fans. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.